Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us in our study in Luke, you know many people were following Jesus for many reasons. Jesus pulls his disciples away and he begins to talk to them about kingdom living. And you'll find that in chapter 6. If you've been with us, you know that. In chapter 6, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. In chapter 6, we have the words of Jesus. And last week, we moved to chapter 7, if you were with us. And in chapter 7, we have the works of Jesus. So chapter 6, we have the words of Jesus. In chapter 7, we have the works of Jesus. And actually, you could, in your Bibles if you want, in chapter 7 right there, you could write down um, the compassion chapter. Chapter 7 is known by theologians as the compassion chapter. Because it's in this chapter that Jesus heals a sick servant, a grieving widow, a doubting prophet in prison, and in each case he shows compassion. Someone once said that compassion is your pain in my heart. I like that. The definition of compassion, your pain in my heart. So last week, we saw the works of Jesus, beginning with a Roman centurion. Were you with me? Just by show of hands, were you with me last week? A Roman centurion who went to Jesus, and he asked Jesus to heal his sick servant. And he said, Jesus, he began to explain to Jesus that he was a man of authority and that he was under authority. And if Jesus would only speak the word, his servant would be healed. Last week, if you were with us, you know that we ended in verse 10. This morning, we pick up Luke chapter 7 as we continue part 2, when death meets life, in verse 11. Luke 7, beginning in verse 11, saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate in verse 12 of the city, behold, a man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion, underline that in your neighbor's Bible. He had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. 
And then he came and he touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And so he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. And then fear came upon all and they glorified God saying a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. And this report about Jesus went throughout all of Judea and all the surrounding regions. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Did you know that Jesus always comes to those who are hurting, to those who are perplexed, to those who are in pain, to those who are confused, to those who are concerned? He always comes to those. Last week, the Roman centurion was concerned about his servant. In our text this morning, we have a grieving, hurting woman who lived in the city of Nain, whose husband had died, and now her son has died. Now listen, if you have never read the Gospel of Luke, then you have never read this story. Because here in Luke is the only place in all of the four Gospels that this story is recorded. So the compassion of Jesus Christ, stay with me. The compassionate Jesus enters the city of Nain. If you're taking notes, the name Nain means lovely and delightful. Lovely and delightful. Nain is located 25 miles southwest of Capernaum, and it actually takes one day walking distance from Capernaum to Nain. Nain is in the hills, and on the slope is the Jezreel Valley. Nain today is a very little town, and I'm sure in Jesus' day it was probably even smaller. But it's in the city of Nain that Jesus does his first miracle of raising the dead. So, so from Capernaum to Nain, a whole day's travel, Jesus is traveling with many of his disciples. Saints, keep in mind that when the Bible says that Jesus is traveling with many of his disciples, we have to understand that there were hundreds, might I even say thousands of disciples, but there were only 12 apostles. If you're taking notes, the word disciple means learner, a learner. Now, we know from John chapter 6, verse 66, 666, John 6, verse 66, you've all heard of a church split. What you have in John 6, 66, you have a disciple split. Because it's in John 6 that Jesus had been talking about communion and Jesus had been talking about the cost of following him. And the Bible says when Jesus began to talk about how hard it is to follow him, that you've got to give up yourself, that you've got to partake of communion, that you have to eat of his flesh and that you have to drink of his blood. When Jesus began talking about those things, the Bible says that many began to fall away. So Jesus is traveling with a, a large crowd. Now watch this, saints. In our text this morning, we have two crowds. One crowd is following Jesus into the city, 
And the other crowd is following a procession coming out of the city, heading for the cemetery, and they both collide when death meets life. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus is coming into the city, and a funeral procession is coming out of the city, and right at the moment, the text lends itself to that. At the moment, at the gate, they collide together. That sounds like perfect timing. I call it a God thing. Uh, That's a God thing. Now, in the center of one crowd is life. That's Jesus. In the center of another crowd is death. That's the dead man. In Jesus' crowd, there's joy and rejoicing and hope. Because remember, the crowd that's coming with Jesus, are you listening? The crowd that's coming with Jesus is the crowd that was with Jesus when the centurion servant was sick and Jesus healed the servant. So they're all walking along and they're saying, yeah, Jesus, that's awesome. Yeah, you healed the sick guy. That was a blessing. And they are rejoicing and they are happy. That's one crowd. But then you got another crowd that's walking and they're sad and they're weeping and they're wailing. Saints, listen, in a spiritual sense, these crowds represent every person in one way or another. If you are a believer in Jesus, listen, this is going to make you excited. If you're a believer in Jesus and following Jesus, guess what? You're on your way to a city as well. It's not the city of Nain. It's a city where the streets are made of gold. It's a city whose builder and maker is who? God. If you're following Jesus, you're on your way to a city. Now, if you're not following Jesus and you don't believe in Jesus, then you're already in a cemetery because the Bible says you are dead while you are living. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. At the same time, listen, that can change. I guess the question begs, where are you? Are you verse 11? You're in the crowd following Jesus or are you verse 12? You represent the dead man. You know, it makes me think of somebody sent me this week, you know, those little one-liner thingies for Christians. And this one said, don't wait for six men to take you to church. Did y'all get that? That was the same response first service. Half people got it, half of them didn't. Okay, that means go to church before six pallbearers have to take you. Y'all got it now? All right, some of y'all won't even get it till you get in your car. I know. You still won't get it. thinking yesterday, just kind of sitting and musing, pondering. And I'm thinking funerals are a strange thing. I, you know, as a pastor, of course, one of my duties and one of my responsibilities is to officiate, to conduct funerals. And funerals are, it's a very odd thing. It's a very strange thing. I don't care how well it goes. And, you know, we talk about the joy of a home going 
and a celebration as someone's leaving this world and going to another and so on and so forth. But I have to be honest with you and tell you that it doesn't matter a funeral, memorial service, whatever you want to call it. It's a strange thing. And the reason why it's a strange thing is because it was never intended by God. Do you know that God never intended for people to die? That was never God's intention. That's why we can't get used to it. That's why we can't settle with death. That's why we can't really get our minds and wrap around, why did this person leave me? It's a very, very difficult thing because it wasn't something that was ordained by God in the beginning and even more unnatural and even more strange, I've said this to you before, is when your child dies. That is the most unnatural thing I think that happens to mankind is when a parent has to bury their child. I have never buried a child. So I don't know. And I don't care how nice people are and they come and tell you when you have to bury your child, oh, I'm so sorry, I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. You don't understand that until you've lost a child. Don't you understand losing a child is different than losing a husband? Losing a child is different than losing a wife. Losing a child is different than losing your grandparents. Losing a child is different than losing your uncle or your aunt. Some of you who have lost a child here, you know what I'm talking about. It's unnatural. And it never settles with you. It never really congeals. Because it just seems like as an adult, your children are supposed to bury you. You should grow up and they should grow up and then someday you get old and then you die and your children bury you and then their children bury them. But it's so unnatural and it's so difficult when you have to bury your own child. Notice in verse 13 in your Bibles, notice it reads, when the Lord saw her, he said, don't cry. And then Jesus touched the coffin and those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, young man, I say, arise. And he who was dead sat up. Saints, let's get this in a modern day terminology or a modern day scene here. Think about it. There is a line of cars that have just left the church and they are headed for the cemetery. The hearse is in the front. They they arrive at a stoplight and Jesus walks into the middle of the crosswalk. He stops the car. He opens the door and he says to the lady, he looks in, looks at the back seat of the, the limo, the hearse, looks at the back seat. He says to the lady, he says, don't cry. Now, you got to wonder what this woman was thinking when Jesus said that. What do you mean stop crying? I just lost my son. And then Jesus goes to the back of the hearse, opens the door, opens the coffin, and he says, arise. And then the dead man sits up. This is exactly what happens here. As Jesus sees this crowd, he sees the casket, he sees the tears, the mother is crying, his heart goes out to her, and he is moved with compassion. This woman's pain was in his heart. And the thing that we have got to understand about Jesus is that he is always moved with compassion. Did you know? He's always moved with compassion. He's always drawn to the one with the greatest need. And too often we think that Jesus is too busy to be bothered by us. We think he couldn't be interested in me because I'm so needy. 
He couldn't be interested in me because I have nothing to offer. Listen, that's wrong. Think about this. This woman was the most needy in the crowd. Why? Two things. Because number one, if you're taking notes, her source of comfort and her source of support were gone. Her source of comfort, her husband was dead. She had just lost her husband. And then she loses her son, who is her only means of support. Keep in mind, in those days, they didn't have welfare programs. In those days, they didn't have Social Security. Almost like these days. (laughs) There'll be no Social Security left. So the woman of Nain, the town of loveliness, are you with me? You listening? The town of loveliness wasn't so lovely for her. But Jesus is going to restore all that. So Jesus said to the young man, young man, I say to you, arise. And when Jesus, listen, saints, you might want to write this down. When Jesus speaks to the dead, he speaks to the dead as though they are alive. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. When Jesus speaks to the dead, he speaks to the dead as though they are alive. Mark chapter 5, verse 41, Jesus took a young child by the hand and he said, Talitha kumai, which means little lamb, arise. Don't you remember when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come forth. You know, I like to tell you. Jesus stood at the tomb. Some of y'all been around here at Calvary Chapel. Y'all know this. Y'all know where I'm going. When Jesus stood at that tomb, and said, Lazarus, come forth. He said, he called Lazarus by name, as if Lazarus was alive, my point. He called him by name and said, Lazarus, come forth, almost like he had to say, Lazarus, just you come forth. Because if he had just said, come forth, every dead body in that grave would have came walking out. It would have been like Thriller, Michael Jackson video. I don't want none of this. <laughs> Lazarus, just you come forth. You see, Jesus speaks. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> when Jesus speaks, he speaks to the dead as though they were alive. Here in our text, Jesus says to the young man as though he were alive, young man, I say to you, arise. Now, I bring this to your attention because I want you to understand and I want to comfort you that although the body is dead, the spirit is alive. Did you hear me? Go ahead and clap your hands and I'm going to wait. There's no way. Look, I already told you death is like seriously unnatural. It's like I can't get my head around this. But it helps to understand something of death, of what the Bible tells us. And the Bible is clear. If your grandmama Your grandfather, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, you got to understand when their body ceased to exist and ceased to live, if you will, their spirit lives on. The body is a tent. Please understand what you see here. this This is not Pastor Rodney. 
This body is not me. What is me is my spirit. The body is just a house in which my spirit dwells in. It's just a, it's just a shell in which the spirit of God dwells in. The real you or the real me will never die. Although your body has ceased to be alive, the spirit is not dead. Death, if you want to write something down, death is not termination. Death is separation. Death is not termination. Death is separation. When you die, you simply move from one location to another. Every single person in this room will spend eternity somewhere. Saints, listen to me. We've got to stop asking people, do you have eternal life? Don't ask folk that. Of course they have eternal life. Everyone has eternal life. The question is, not whether you have eternal life, but where will you spend it? The question is, what neighborhood will you live in? I'm just trying to break it down. Where will you spend eternal life? That's the question. Everybody has eternal life. Everyone will either spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell and separated from Jesus. Which way will you go? Where will you spend it? I like this little story. I've read it to you before. On a tombstone was written these words. Pause, stranger, as you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. And someone was overheard as they were reading that tombstone. They were overheard to say these words. To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. (laughs) Amen. You understand. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is where? Which way? Will you go? When you die, you're still a person. You don't go into nothingness, contrary to popular opinion. You don't come back as anything. Can I tell you? Should I preach? Y'all just want to get it on. Y'all like, yeah, preach, man. Preach. Listen. You are not coming back as anything. And then people, have you noticed this here? It's just me. And these people on Oprah. I I only pick on Oprah just because I pick on Oprah. Oprah's fun. Okay. But these people come back and everybody in the past life, have you noticed this? Everybody in the past life, you know, they were a king, a prince, a ruler, a leader of lands. You ever notice that in the past life? Nobody ever comes back and says, you know, in my previous life, I was a, a, a peasant. I, I, I emptied bedpans for my, my work. Uh, I cleaned floors. I was homeless in my past. Nobody ever says that. Oh, no, in the past life, you were a king, a leader of lands, a leader of people, a leader of nations. Listen, you're not coming back as anything. When you're gone from this world, you are, guess what? Gone. You're not coming back. You're not coming back as a cat. I don't know why I thought a cat. It just did. You're not coming back. You're gone. 
Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24 through 29, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not depart into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And then he goes on in verse 28 to say, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth. And those who have done good to resurrection of life and to those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Here is my point, saints, not just this man in name, but everybody one day will hear the voice of God. Notice in verse 14 in your Bibles, because I think verse 14 is the key to the whole story. Jesus said, young man, I say, please underline that, young man, I say, That's the key, because if it was me or it was you who said, nothing would happen. We would stand there and we'd be, young man, young man, hey, 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 young man, young man, young man, young man, young man, hey, hey, young man, and nothing would happen. The key here is Jesus said, young man, I say. That's the key to the whole text, I say. And the young man, the Bible says, sat up. Now what I wouldn't give for a DVD of this scene, let me tell you why. I don't want a DVD because the man was healed and there was a miracle done. Don't you understand? Jesus raising the dead is no big deal. This is the man who said light be and light was. Is raising the dead that big a deal? No. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.